2: main
0: menu Menu. hello everyone and welcome to this special edition of main menu for the 13th of december 2019 i am your co-host jason Castingue. need some last minute shopping ideas the information access committee has done a terrific webinar on holiday shopping accessible appliances and more we wanted to bring that to you on this special edition of main menu due to time constraints however we had to omit some of the questions in the question and answer section the full program is in the podcast edition of Main Menu. You can also find it at acbradio.org acb-advocacy or ACB Radio Special Event, located in your favorite online radio app or acbradio.org special. Have fun!
3: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Information Access Committee, ACB webinar and conference call for those dialing in. Uh, Dealing with home appliances and accessibility going into the holiday season. I'm Tony Stevens, the chair for the Information Access Committee. And with us on tonight's uh, conversation, we'll call it, for those joining in online or via traditional dial-up phone, uh, we have two wonderful guests that are able to join us. Uh, Jason Manow with the uh, AT Guides and also uh, with Access World, uh, has some exciting information to share for holidays and shopping and also Clark as well. Folks that know Clark Rockwell from the American Council of the Blind is Director of Advocacy and governmental Affairs with ACB in Washington DC. For those joining, uh, just a few notes uh, and for those already on the call. Uh, first off, thanks for joining us. If you do join in on the call or you're on the call, uh, we will have a QA and a session toward the end. We're going to have our presentations up front uh, discussing uh, accessibility and home appliances and the holiday season and shopping and a lot of the great things that are going on right now out in the out in the consumer marketplace. Uh, but we ask that you save your questions till the end. We'll have a QA and a section toward the end. Uh, and this for record, so folks know, is being recorded. So watch what you say. If you got any of those questions, um, try to keep them short and to the point. We would really appreciate that. So other people as well could have opportunity and time. So it doesn't get too chaotic. Um, But this will be recorded and carried over the ACB Advocacy Update feed for folks that subscribe to that via iTunes. And you can also find it on the ACB radio uh, through the feeds as well with ACB radio for those that listen in via that channel. So uh, home appliances and accessibility. Why a conversation on that now? Well, I think a lot of folks obviously know we're a few days out of the biggest blast off for the holiday shopping season, that is the Thanksgiving holiday long weekend, Black Friday. For a lot of folks, those sales start even sooner. Uh, it, is, it is an opportunity for folks to get all the new gadgets and toys and things like that for their homes. Uh, and when it comes to for those in America that are blind or visually impaired, uh, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there that exist now we thought it might be good to educate folks on. Uh, But there's also still a lot of challenges that exist Uh, when we talk about advocacy and trying to make the world a more accessible place for roughly the 7.6 million adults who are blind and visually impaired or have difficulty seeing in this country, even with glasses. uh, We find ourselves in an interesting time. It's definitely an interesting era. If you were to go online right now and search for accessible home appliances, for instance, you see a lot of information that's 10, 12 years old for a lot of different sources and sites. But just take a moment and imagine where the the world has gone in the past 10, 12 years. The iPhone came out 12 years ago, and there's no doubt it revolutionized the world for billions and billions of people, but more so in a sense, I think, for people with disabilities, and particularly those with vision impairment. It has truly transformed the way we communicate, interact, and move about the world, but so much so that it even impacts the whole industries and how they have been in some sense turned upside down over the past 12 years and the way that they reach customers, approach customers, sell their products, how we can find out about products, research our products, test our products. But even for people who are blind or visually impaired, how we can access and use those products in new ways that we couldn't even have imagined 12 years ago. When if we had a conversation on accessible home appliances or accessible goods in the home, It would have been, okay, does it have a physical hard switch or a button that you can turn, something that you can feel? You know, it was either accessible or inaccessible or ambiguous uh, was kind of the measurements that Access World and other folks would have in their reviews. But in a lot of ways, those are are very much more complex in this new world of smart devices. Go to any big box store around your neighborhood, and you're going to find a lot of toys with bells and whistles on it from refrigerators to ovens to stoves to crock pots to even just check out the uh, I think ACB we're having the auction coming up soon and hands down I believe it's fair to say that the biggest items always sold are those appliances that are more for the home that have sort of the accessibility features built in and the nuances that uh, you know 10-15 years ago again we might not even have dreamed it possible. So to that end what is a little bit about the history in a sense of the accessibility and sort of this, you know, we we mentioned just briefly about the 12 years since the iPhone, but it goes back even further. A lot of folks might find it interesting that, you know, the Americans with Disabilities Act is, is often the benchmark by which we compare all things to be accessible in this country. It was in that sense, that piece of legislation in 1990, it'll be, oh my goodness, 30 years next year, uh, it, that it was that piece of legislation that took what prior to that was, you know, things, funded through the federal government or state agencies had to have some level of accessibility to them, but the ADA brought accessibility to the whole wide world. Well, did it? Well, not necessarily. In public spaces, accommodations, physical buildings and stores, yes, access was improved, but for folks that know like Clark and others uh, along the way, many of whom are on this call that have been fighting the good fight for advocacy over the decades, it has been a long battle in areas around technology, and things inside of our home. While we may be able to go into a public building or a public space and have braille where we may need it or have other reasonable accommodations in the workplace, oftentimes the most private place and the place where we spend most of our time in our home is oftentimes not as accessible. We all take O&M classes or different classes to try to get out and be independent. And we'll take our independent living classes and find ways to be independent in the home. But at the end of the day, we find ourselves working a lot of workarounds, little tape here, little sticky glue here, different things cut different ways or laid out different ways or in patterns. But within just the past couple of years, I think it's fair to say that that technology has dramatically changed. And it's done interestingly enough in ways that, you know, when we think of how I mentioned over the past 12 years, how industry has changed. Uh, stores like Sears, that when we talk about home appliances, that was where i don't know many of you when you were a child maybe but that was where the magic of walking down aisles and aisles and aisles of appliances have have you know sort of rested where we would go to get the things for the home no longer exists like that a couple of years ago sears started moving its kenmore brand over to amazon and so now it's possible to get amazon products and for amazon they love that because when we talk about alexa or other gadgets and technology and smart homes, which is where the technology is going, we find ourselves in a space now where the, the gadgets and the devices are all sort of becoming interconnected. There is a term called the Internet of Things, IoT. It's a very popular term in the past couple of years in Washington, D.C. and in the tech circles, where when we talk about technology and accessibility, it's how all these devices essentially are talking to each other. And in some sense, it has really opened and broken down barriers for a lot of ways for us to be accessible. Uh, we have pretty much easy to say that if I say Alexa on the phone right now, chances are good if you're listening on speakers. There are many of us on this call that are probably having our devices kick in right now and wondering if we're gonna be asking it a question any second now. So to that end, you know, as as we get started with this conversation and we'll be having Jason share with us in just a few minutes uh, kind of the landscape of accessibility and home appliances, what exactly does it mean and what are the goods and et cetera, and the big trends, where have we come and then where are we going in terms of just home goods and accessibility. Uh, you know, it's important to think about where we are with this opportunity in, the, in, in terms of access. Uh, it's fair to say that the biggest challenge we had towards making accessible appliances over the decades has been the enormous cost that goes into research and development, right? It takes a lot of time and D for folks to refit and to try to essentially fix the airplane from 30,000 feet after it already left the runway. That's not necessarily the case anymore because of our smart homes. The more that these devices are becoming fixed and tuned into home networks, hubs they might be, such as Alexa, or not to be a commercial for Alexa, but if you have Apple HomeKit or Google, you'll find that these devices are more and more operated out of their software. And it's the software that has really helped us pave the way in a sense. It's the software that has allowed us to have these solutions. But at the end of the day, we know, too, that with the software and with these devices also comes a price. Not all these devices are what we could say is very affordable when you consider that only 15% of working-age adults who are blind or visually impaired have a college degree, uh, probably working in jobs that could afford refrigerators uh, when, and things that are in the thousands of dollars, right. Um, or for folks that are in a sense, uh, you know, tied in their limited income. However, they might try to find ways to purchase a device. You know, you might've bought your fridge 10 years ago or a washer and dryer and you are needing to buy something now, and you're trying to find out what is out there. So that's why we're here today to find out what is out there, what's available, what's accessible. And the reality is, yes, there are refrigerators. Some of the things you'll hear about are thousands of dollars and out of the range for most of us on the call. But the reality is too, there is a lot of stuff that's out there today that is extremely accessible. If you do have internet in your home, you can get an accessible microwave for instance on Amazon for just a little over $50 that works with Alexa and can be completely in a sense, you know, break down those barriers um, of, of accessibility. So Uh, I'm going to be quiet now on my soapbox. I'm going to step down from it. Thanks, everybody, for allowing us the opportunity to set up the call. But what would be wonderful is if we can now welcome JJ. Are you unmuted, JJ? I should be here. Can you hear me? Excellent. Uh, We certainly can. So, again, thanks so much for taking time. Uh, For folks that don't subscribe or read Access World, JJ had a a wonderful article recently on just sort of laying out some of the new appliance, not necessarily just appliances, but some of the new goods in the holiday season, but also, uh, you know, is an expert in his own way of just how do we, you know, what is accessible, but how do we get to stuff that's accessible as well? So I'm going to pass it over to you, JJ. Thanks so much for being a part of our call this evening and looking forward to it. So thanks.
4: Uh, Thank you so much for the uh, the intro and for the, Hosting the call tonight, really appreciate it. Also, uh, want to say hello to uh, Aaron Priest, who's one of the editors of Access World. He's on uh, the call or on the computer. What do we call it now? You're right, we're not on the call anymore. We're we're on the the, the conference. But uh, uh, say hello to him and everybody else that's uh, listening now or later on on the the podcast. So, as you were talking and before I came on tonight, I was taking some notes about some of the things that I have used to kind of help me with. Holiday shopping and shopping in general. I am a bit of a uh, an online shopaholic for sure. Um, just to reinforce that point, I put in an order for some vitamins uh, during the beginning of this call on Amazon. I'm just doing, <laughs> if you look at my Amazon order history, it's a bit uh, it's a bit much, but it certainly has you know changed the way that I go about lots of shopping and able to do things from home where you might do lots of trips to the store uh, in the past. And some of that, it does come down to uh, the various kitchen appliances that are out there. So let me just kind of go over a few of the tips that I have come across over time, then maybe also highlight a couple products as well. I know you're gonna talk some more about accessible appliances a little later on um, as well. I think for me, especially when it comes to the kitchen, it's finding that balance between the convenience of online shopping and sometimes the prices of online shopping, which are often now just as cheap or cheaper than a local store, and also knowing what you're actually getting um, when it comes to a lot of these appliances. Many things, as we know now, microwaves and toasters and air fryers and pressure cookers, th- some of these things used to be accessible. And somehow over years, as technology evolved, the accessibility diminished because things that used to be controlled with dials were replaced by touchscreens. First, it was buttons and buttons that you could label with a Dymo labeler or something like that, or... Uh, locator dots, bump dots, and you would be okay. And you could just remember where the dots were. And then this got replaced by total touchscreen control in a lot of situations. So you don't even have buttons that you can mark or feel. You have a completely flat surface in by just touching the microwave or the oven. You actually activate something, which isn't, of course, ideal uh, for us and really makes it a lot more difficult. That's hard to figure out sometimes by looking at an Amazon review for something or a review for online shopping site I've made a couple trips I don't do a lot of shopping in stores itself but one of the things I have done a couple times now and actually plan to do again soon is to go down to an actual appliance store and to see what's out there with the current models Um, nope I don't I think our Sears is about uh, going out of business here too and most of them are disappearing but there are other stores that have appliances Bed Bath & Beyond is one uh, that does carry a lot of kitchen things microwaves, air fryers, toaster ovens, convection ovens, uh, things like that. And they have a lot of the, the major brands and everything's just sitting out, uh, on shelves you can walk up and down and just, just do a quick glance without even talking to anyone like, all right, these have buttons. These don't, these have dials, these don't. And once you've narrowed that part of it down, then you can maybe, uh, get a little more information about, all right, what other features do I want to look for besides the fact that it happens to be something that I can touch or I can get more information about, um, you know, some of the other uh, electronic stores also have some of these types of items. It's going to depend on the the store and the, the item you're looking for. It's really weird. You mentioned refrigerators. Even items like refrigerators, which, I mean, a refrigerator was what? A door that you would open and you would put stuff in. How could you not make that accessible? Well, now you have refrigerators with ice compartments and ice trays, and sometimes those are using touch screen controls or flat controls to just change from ice to water. You can label these things in a lot of situations, but it makes it a lot more interesting than what you might've thought in the past. Sometimes the accessibility is simple. I went uh, down to a Sears when they were still around and I believe it was Whirlpool uh, among a couple others that had a simple solution for when you turn the dial on the washing machine or dryer, it would play a different tone for each setting. So once you memorized the tones and, and whatnot, you could figure out uh, which setting you wanted. It would be a very easy way to uh, to remember that. You could combine that with braille or with labels or anything else uh, to do that. And some still have the old school ways of doing it. Uh, again, on the uh, the washing machine, some of the major uh, companies will do offer braille overlays that you can have them send to you for free if you give them the model number. Um, and you can get overlays to help you kind of label and realize where the buttons are on these types of appliances. Uh, when it comes to online stuff, There's some things that you can do, though, um, online. So take a site like Amazon, who actually does happen to have a specific phone number you can call. Um, And one of the things you can do with this number, it's really designed uh, for providing descriptions and things like that for people who are blind and visually impaired. So you can call up this phone number and say, hey, I have this product that I have up here. Can you tell me what's up with the pictures? Or can you describe them to me? And generally, they'll do that for you. You could also apply that same logic to either uh, be my eyes or the free calls with Ira. I think it works better with Ira in this situation. So Ira, if you have a computer has a, uh, free software they use called TeamViewer, and you can have someone log into your computer. Um, and you can have them be on your screen, just temporarily. You don't, you can get, take them out when you're, uh, when you hang up. Uh, but you can say, Hey, I have this page up on Amazon or I have this page up on whatever website. Can you just tell me what you see for the far as the pictures, if you don't want to deal with team viewer, you could also email them a link to the page. And you can usually accomplish this for a couple pictures within the five minutes. So if you're not familiar with uh, the IRA free call offer, uh, IRA, being the assist, uh, service that you can call to get a free uh, remote visual assistance, now has a service where you can get calls up to five minutes for free. And that's as many calls as you want. It's not limited to one call a day. You can keep calling them back um, throughout the day to get descriptions of products. So that's, I found is one of the better uses of the free uh, five minute calls. I, uh, As far as online shopping and some of the things that I've done to kind of make it work for me, uh, I am an Amazon Prime member. I do recommend if you do a fair amount of online shopping to definitely consider that it's about $120 a year um, there are discounts for students and uh, a couple other ways to get discounts. And you can also share it with uh, your spouse or partner if you'd like. Um, but it gives you pretty much free one or two day shipping on most items on Amazon. It's very well worth it. Um, I would still shop around a little bit as far as price. Cause not everything is cheapest on Amazon. No one store has the cheapest price on everything. Um, so I would definitely shop around a little bit, but for a lot of household products, it can be a really big time saver instead of having to uh, to go to the store. If you just have your your toilet paper delivered to you every month, or or vitamins like I just did, or um, you know, there's all sorts of other electronic stuff. I'm always ordering something from from Amazon. There are some other stores that do that too. So if you have, if it's a store that you shop at often, see if they have some sort of frequent shopper uh, discount program where you can have um, you can save on shipping or maybe get free shipping and have items delivered within a day or two. I'm also a member of SHIPT, S-H-I-P-T. That is one of the two big uh, uh, grocery and other household item delivery services, Instacart being the other. I like SHIPT a little more because they are now owned by Target and Target has all sorts of things that are not groceries. So not only can I get my groceries delivered through SHIPT uh, with Target or Meyer here in the Midwest, I can have them bring lots of other stuff, You know, whether I wanted a... Uh, say I wanted a, a Google home or an iPod or a TV or any number of other things, kitchen appliances, all that stuff is at target. So I can have a shopper go over there, pick up the stuff and bring it to me within an hour or two, a couple of things on shipped. So target owns shipped. So the prices, uh, from target are not marked up prices from other stores. So like if you have, like we have Meyer here in the Midwest or PetSmart is on shipped. Um, there are grocery stores, Vons, um, out west or HEB in Houston, those prices are marked up 10 to 15%. So just take that into account. I think it's worth it this, the, the, for the time and money that I save, but that's certainly a calculation to uh, consider versus uh, getting someone to drive you there or taking an Uber or Lyft or, or whatever you want to do. So, um, it, you know, it just depends on what you want to do, but it's nice to have all these options and, and ways to have things brought uh, to you quickly. Um, When it comes to shopping and apps and websites, you know, a lot of websites are getting better as far as accessibility, not everything is perfect yet, which is, you know, it's sad that we still have to say that, but there are certainly some websites that are better than others as far as accessibility. Um, if I really am set, I'm ordering from a certain store and their website isn't that great, I might go and see if their app is better because sometimes the mobile apps are designed by a different person or just better than the website. Um, Actually, I have an iPhone and an Android phone, so if it doesn't work on one, if I'm really desperate, I might try it on the other. Now, mind you, I might just go to a different store because this one isn't working for me. It's not accessible. They don't get my business, and that's a choice you can make, too. Maybe it's not worth getting that big deal if um, the store itself is not very accessible. As it comes up to the holidays, remember shipping deadlines. Um, Again, if you have prime shipping or things like that from Amazon, or you can get Things delivered you have up until a couple of days before Christmas but Christmas is on a Wednesday this year so if you're shopping for Christmas you have that weekend before that's going to delay things so don't think if you order stuff the previous Friday you only have two shipping days beyond that Monday and Tuesday like I said as far as shipping you know doing it about a week ahead of time or more it's just it's safe I don't always listen to myself it's okay; <laughs> these things happen. But you know, you take you run the risk of even if it says guaranteed delivery by December twenty fourth. Well, I mean, this takes one little thing or a snowstorm or something to happen to get in the way of that. So there's been lots of sales for Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and beyond, and there still will be. Um, one of the things I want to point out as far as sales, and especially when it comes to accessibility, is figuring out why something is on sale. This especially comes up for things like televisions or other media devices. So in the past few months, there is a new version of the Google Home Mini, the Nest Mini. So that's now a new generation product. There are newer versions of televisions that come out every year. There's newer versions of Fire TV and Roku and all these other different devices. So sometimes a new version is on sale, but sometimes stores will put the old version on sale because they have a whole bunch left over and they want to get rid of it. The reason that becomes important for us is those older versions are going to either have, in many cases, less accessibility or they will get updates for a less amount of time than the new stuff. So, the Roku that you buy that might be last year's Roku might be giving you the same amount of accessibility now, but it might stop getting updates sooner. This especially is true with TVs as the uh, requirements and as companies are still kind of learning how to figure out how to do accessible televisions. I think it's taking them a while, but there you go. It's taking them a minute to figure this out. So a lot of times TVs that go on sale are from 2017, 2018, and they might have a little less accessibility than the 2019 model. So just remember that, if especially if you can track down a larger purchase item, figure out when that item was released when it was first available. A lot of times you can Google that or you can find a news story and that might lead you to figure out is this really a good deal um, or is this something that I should maybe just hold off on. Um, I've got a couple more minutes here. Let me just talk about a couple of really uh, cool products that I've found uh, mentioned in the, uh, the holiday shopping guide. One I ended up buying uh, is this little um, talking thermometer. Let's see if I can get it to come on here.
2: 77.9 degrees Fahrenheit.
4: So, you know, we used to pay $50 for these things or more, or have the smart ones, that's 15 bucks on Amazon. And it's pretty accurate for what it is. I've been using use it a few times now. It has the prong that folds out and you can just fold it back in. If you search for talking kitchen thermometer, I see it's under a few different brands, but it will come um, right away. Um, and of course the smart speakers, um, plenty plenty of articles out about those, but those are still they you know, 30, 40, 50 bucks for a Google uh, Nest Mini or an Echo Dot are the cheapest ways into that. Lots of cool stuff there. As far as the uh, TV and entertainment area, um, I'm liking as far as the choices. None of them are perfect, but the Fire TV 6 from Amazon have a pretty decent amount of accessibility, and a lot of the apps do work on them. Like I said, nothing is perfect there, but that's certainly uh, one to to look at. If you go in the uh, November issue of Access World, so that's afb.org slash aw, We have the holiday gift guide uh, that I wrote along with a few other articles of a lot of interest to holiday shoppers and we talk about lots more products that you can buy there and you can get a lot more uh, information on that. Um, One note you mentioned uh, next reminded me of this the Alexa microwave, which is not a bad microwave. um, But it reminds me as far as smart products, one thing to look at. Some things are work really well as smart products. Some things raise the price quite a bit. So while I make the, uh, when I decide whether I want to buy something, whether one of the things that I look at is, yes, can I control it with an, a, a, a voice assistant? They're useful. But you also want to look at the other things. For instance, the Alexa microwave is a 700-watt microwave. So it's good for reheating things up and good for, you know, maybe for very small personal use. But it is a little less than a lot of other microwaves in the same price range. In the same token, I'm not seeing the greatest of reviews on the $250 Alexa convection oven air fryer uh, multi-cooker thing. You, you can get a, a dial air fryer for 50 or 60 bucks. So look at these smart things and see, is it really worth paying the extra money for that smart control and being able to talk to something? Or is it really just easier to press a button and get, the, uh, get it done? So just a thought that I had on the uh, – the smart stuff. There's a lot more things that we could talk about, um, but um, there's other people that are willing to speak. We're definitely have a huge Q and A section after this as well. So happy to answer any questions at the end. And again, um, thank you so much to uh, Lee and Aaron at Access World and uh, Clark for inviting me on here. Uh, Access World is a great resource for keeping up on the latest in technology. Um, I'm one of m- several writers for that magazine, and it's a really, great uh, way to keep up on the latest with appliances and many other things as well. Again, that's afb.org slash aw and I encourage you to subscribe, you can get an email when the new issue comes out every month and the December one is just coming out uh, as I speak. So thank you.
3: Thanks so much JJ and, and you know, hopefully you'll be able to stay on uh, cause I'm sure we're probably gonna have some questions yep. but then as well, you know, after we'll hear from Clark in just a minute cause uh, he had an exciting adventure uh, with a couple other folks from ACB's national office as sort of secret shoppers uh, to kind of search out the accessibility and what really is accessible on more of the high end, uh, those home appliances you were talking about. You you made a real interesting point toward the end, and, and I want to come back to this because I know I think Clark, uh, you know, you'll you'll probably touch on this as well, but how easy it is for us to, to jump on board with all the um, new bells and whistles devices that maybe come out and And I I like two things you really spoke about. One, a reminder that oftentimes it's those sales, uh, you know, this is coming out obviously after the Black Thursday sort of, or Black Friday blast for sales for the holidays, is that those are the older items and they're not always up to speed per se with their interfaces or things like that towards accessibility. But then two, you had mentioned as well that, you know, sometimes there's still the things out there with the old switches and, and just good old fashioned, what really is accessible for everybody, right? um, in a sense of, of, you know, just a, just a nice button. is nice to hit sometimes one button is all you need sometimes to make things definitely. really good. So, uh, so thanks for bringing those two points up. I have a feeling we'll probably chat about that toward the end. Uh, Clark, I'm going to pass it over to you now, uh, and share with us a little bit about, you know, sort of the adventure you all went on, uh, and the ACB national office and, and, and dive into as well, some of the other sort of interesting things is, definitely, Uh, what you find in a showroom floor uh, loves to show off its bells and whistles. And and how do they stack up for someone who's a blind or visually impaired shopper?
5: Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Tony. And thank you, JJ, for joining us tonight. Um, So as Tony mentioned, the ACB national office took a little field trip recently. Uh, You know, if you, if you read and visit the access world website, they'll recommend when you go in store shopping, you know, maybe call ahead and let them know that you'll want to try some appliances, have them plugged in, ready to go so you can get the full experience. Well, we didn't do any of that. We wanted the the full, unvarnished treatment. Uh, so Claire Stanley, our advocacy and outreach specialist, Kelly Gask, our uh, social media guru, and I uh, went on down the road here in Alexandria and visited a Best Buy. and we went in there whenever. One of their very friendly and helpful um, employees asked us what we were doing. We're like we're appliance shopping. What do you have? What can you show us? And of course, they wanted to show off the smart appliances. Um, now, as soon as you throw that word "smart" in, you get a lot of features, but you also get a lot in the price tag. Um, but what some of those thousands of dollars got you were internet-connected devices, um, some of which had multimedia capabilities. And something we'll touch on later, but if you're going to be able to play video or send a tweet from your refrigerator, um, for those of you who saw the the news article back in September or so, hashtag free Dorothy, um, it needs to have an accessible user interface. Um, So one of the refrigerators that we saw from Samsung Electronics basically had a flat screen TV um, built in. And along with the internet access and the ability to send messages and play YouTube videos is the fully baked uh, text to speech engine that is included in other Samsung products. And that was just really fascinating that, that that technology is available in a refrigerator, but then also the things you can do with it, um, manipulate the settings of the refrigerator as well as add stuff to your um, shopping list to order directly from Amazon or Grubhub, Uber um, something like that. Um, but then also a lot of appliances are starting to add voice control as well. So maybe you don't wanna scroll through the menus but you still want to manipulate the features and functions of your, of your appliance. Um, you can talk to, as Jeff Bishop calls her, the A-Lady, just so you don't activate any devices. Um, those features exist as well. And a lot of times when we think of out of the box accessibility, when it comes to uh, internet enabled or home appliances, medical equipment, exercise equipment, for example, um, we have a pretty, I'd say for the longest time, we've had an idea of a solution and that solution has been for example like a talking microwave or a talking thermostat where the user presses a button and the device speaks the function of that button or what you just did um, but as we all know with the ADA it's not always the um, the remedy that we would prefer but it's the a re- the reasonable accommodation that fits the end users needs so what that's looking like now with new technology is things that tony and jj touched on it's that um, that accessible user interface on a device via a touch screen it could be control through an application of an internet connected device and it can also be voice control um, whether that's amazon google apple or or some other product. Uh, this wasn't only the case in you know, kitchen appliances, um, but also you know, we went over to the, the TV section. And again, just found a sales associate and struck up a conversation with them. They started showing us a whole bunch of TVs. You know, the, those kinds of TVs that, um, that I certainly won't be buying anytime soon, but um, plenty of people do and love. And we just asked the guy, you know, is there, what kind of accessibility features are there? Is there a text-to-speech menu navigation? And they were very willing to help. They said, you know, I don't know, but let's find out. Picked up the remote, scrolled through, and whammo. uh, A lot of TVs now, and every TV should, have an accessible user interface. Not only do we notice these exciting trends in smart appliances, um, but as JJ mentioned, in the traditional appliances, I don't wanna call them dumb appliances because they're still way smarter than I am, um, but back in the day, things were buttons or knobs. And then it was almost like industry wanted to show just what they could do. Everything went to touchscreen or a flat interface. You know, just because they could, and they wanted to see how many features they could cram in and just have it with a capacitive touch or a flat screen interface. Well now it seems like the the trend is kind of dialed back from that. so while we were at Best Buy, we noticed that a lot of appliances now have mechanical buttons and mechanical knobs again, and we were asking the sales associates um, you know, they're not experts in the way of you know, appliance marketing, but they said that they've just noticed that uh, stuff like that is cyclical. Um, it, it changes with product lines over time. And when we had a meeting with LG Electronics, they said the same thing, you know, it's some, some years and some models will have flat screen touch screens and others come back to buttons and knobs. So we're certainly in favor of the buttons and knobs and we make sure to tell, tell folks that uh, when we have their ear and when they'll listen. Uh, but it's always reassuring when you have not just a knob but a knob that is indexed and gives some haptic feedback or a knob that has a a raised indicator line to let you know uh, what direction the the round knob is pointing. Um, So that that was very interesting as well. Uh, Back to the smart appliances. Uh, One of the reasons we have noticed the inclusion of these, especially the accessible user interfaces for video capable and two-way communications, advanced communication services devices. A lot of people don't think a refrigerator can be an advanced communication service, um, but as soon as you can send a tweet, check your email, it falls under the FCC's rules for advanced communication services. As soon as you can play a video, whether it's a TV, or a refrigerator or a smart speaker, it falls under the FCC's rules for accessible video interfaces. And those rules stem from the advocacy work of ACB and Eric Bridges you know, 10 years ago alongside of the American Foundation for the Blind. And those stem from the 21st century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. Um, so, Yes, it's been 10 years, but it's getting to a point where these products and these features are ubiquitous in the marketplace. And that's that's really exciting to see. And before I kick it back to Tony here, um, I'll also say that in the space of application interfaces. So you could still have an appliance that has a flat Touchscreen display, but a lot of times it's becoming easier and easier to connect that appliance or that piece of smart home tech to a smartphone application. And like JJ said, sometimes the apps are made by different folks. Sometimes the apps are a lot cleaner in interface because they're designed to work with the the Apple or the iOS operating system which has voiceover built right in, uh, similar properties on the the Android operating system. So it can be a much smoother interface. And you can control a lot of features of smart appliances or smart home tech. Um, And if you're not able to control them, you can at least see status updates. So going forward, what what are we doing in the space of advocacy here? Well, there's a a few uh, exciting pieces of legislation out there one is hr 1199 and that's the va website accessibility act Um, and some folks may think well that only deals with uh, websites and apps and kiosks at the department of veterans affairs well true but the cvaa only covered things under the purview of the fcc you know who thought that that would trickle down to home appliances so if the Department of Veterans Affairs is able to push and move the market towards being more accessible and having accessibility um, included from day one. Uh, We are all for that because we think that that will then have products trickling down to other parts of the market as well. Uh, There's another bill in Congress. The, uh, The short title is the GAIN Act and that would call for the US Access Board Uh, to create universal accessibility standards uh, for fitness equipment, home appliances, and medical devices. There's another bill, the Exercise and Fitness for All Act, uh, which again would require the Access Board to create standards for exercise and fitness equipment. Um, And of course there's the work that ACB is doing uh, legislatively with regulatory agencies and working directly with companies to make sure that when they roll out products and services, whether that's uh, kiosks, websites, um, dashboards, and things of that nature, that accessibility is included from Square One. So it's an exciting time. Uh, There's certainly still a lot more work to be done, but
3: we are seeing a
5: lot of progress in this space.
3: Clark, thanks so much and thanks for sharing that and and for the team and and the national office for ACB uh, for sort of going out on on that sort of sojourn to find out what what accessibility really lies out there because it definitely sounds like you uncovered a lot more than just an accessible appliance on the floor, but the whole conversation that you shared about how the CVAA and how you know, an accessible cable box, essentially, where the mobile phones had to be made accessible uh, with their operating systems, uh, has really helped us get ahead of the curve. So oftentimes with inaccessibility, we find ourselves sort of trying to catch up and trying to, to, you know, chase behind, and it's always harder to fix something once it's left the station, so to speak. Um, But this is an exciting time because the CVA coming, in a sense, before the birth of all this smart you know, internet of things revolution, um, it's really opened up a lot of opportunities. Uh, we're gonna be opening it up for questions in just, just a moment. Um, a, a question for both you and JJ though, in a sense, uh, if, if you all don't mind uh, as, as I have the floor here as we get queued up uh, for folks to start thinking about your questions uh, and we will be unmuting shortly um, and try to, to work through as, as organized as we can in accepting you know, and having people ask their questions. Uh, but in a sense for, for now, for JJ and Clark, uh, you know, I, I think about the, the first, I mentioned the Kenmore, uh, device that the first washing machine, I have a little note here that Sears put out in 1927 by Kenmore. Uh, not a lot of technology has changed much in washing machines. It's a belt, it's a motor, it's a drum that spins around really fast sometimes and really slow and other times. Um, I think of, the first uh, CD player my father got in 1984 for Christmas, it was $1,500. It was a JVC CD player in 1984 for $1,500. Uh, I looked on Amazon just before this call, and I can now buy one for $19 on Amazon. Uh, while it not be a JVC, it still does the same thing. Uh, you know, the the devices when they came out, if it was a a, a washing machine in 1927 or a CD player. In 1984 uh, one of the great things about technology is how it drops prices it reaches what's called economy of scale and they start selling millions and millions of them so these $3,000 fridges now uh, in a couple of years from now are going to be much more affordable think about how much a 60 inch television costs now and how much it cost just 10 years ago and compare those prices and it's probably at about 10% of probably what you would have spent 10 years ago for that product um, In terms of blindness, bringing it back to the world of blindness and visual impairment, we know things like diabetes is now one of the leading causes of blindness in the country. So much of of our conditions, particularly for the majority of our population that are older age adults that have other health problems, is managing your life. And oftentimes, smart devices can make us feel dumb. There's no question about that. But two, uh, once we sort of get over that, that fear or that anxiety and jump right in, uh, to if it's Alexa or Apple or Google, uh, there's huge potential. Uh, you mentioned Samsung, LG as well has what's called the InstaView on their refrigerators. Now this is fun for sighted people where they can hit their tile, hit basically their door, or their fridge twice, tap it, and it suddenly they can see everything inside. Now we're not necessarily at a point where we have a type of accessibility that will describe that to us. We do have Ira as you mentioned, and we have you know Be my Be my eyes. And other ways that we can use our smartphones and other devices or seeing AI app or OrCam and other devices to kind of read text. But what's interesting is not just the visual on the outside, but the skin underneath. And that fridge can also do things like it can tell you if your device, and now all these devices are working in tandem with these smart homes, these smart hubs. But is your food expired? Apparently 37% I found out uh, tonight of Americans have food in their fridge that's two months overdue. It's well over expiration date, so these are oftentimes things we find challenging. But just in managing your own diet as well, it keeps track of what you're eating, which makes me a little bit nervous. But nevertheless, if I had you know needing to watch my diet uh, and needing to really sort of or even count calories, which probably is something I should do, uh, you know, it, it it becomes a tool for us. And I believe there's enormous potential. I think in a lot of these devices. And as these initial launches into these smart hubs of like the InstaView fridge or the Samsung, you know, with these, all the things they can do in addition to just, you know, make it hot or cold in your fridge or on your oven or your, your washing machine, you know, how much more can it impact our life in a positive way so that it allows us to manage our lives as well. Um, so, uh, you know, folks encourage uh, to find out what's out there, go to, you know, websites like Amazon and, and what I also encourage folks to do is leave, leave accessible reviews. If you have any of these devices, I encourage everybody here to go on to Amazon, go on to Best Buy, go on to wherever it is you bought that product, perhaps, and leave a device and talk specifically about the accessibility. Because we just as much need to crowdsource these type things as well for those of us that are trying to research and find things out um, on these devices as well, where we could search in and, and try to find out you know comments and reviews that are specific to that. Um. So we also have a, a way to be empowered ourselves as advocates and to go in and leave reviews on experiences we have that are positive and checking things out. So to that end, let's open it up for questions now. We'd love to hear some of your thoughts and comments and, and particular questions for JJ and Clark, since they're the experts in sort of all things uh, making world accessible in our homes. And so what would work best is I believe Clark, uh, if I'm not mistaken, folks can now unmute their phones And if we can just kind of have an orderly fashion, uh, kind of an audible hand raise, if you will, if you could say your first name, and then we can call on those names as we go through, say five, six at a time, uh, if folks are still on the call. So we'll try to get to as many as we can. So you may unmute your phone now, and just kind of an audible hand raise with your name, and then just a a moment of quiet, and then we'll call on those names.
2: Hi, it's Debbie Hazelton. Hi, Debbie.
6: Hi, I'd like to just say two little things about Walmart. Uh, Last year, I was looking for a popcorn popper for someone, and um, it was a a really nice one with a cart and, you know, like not your little stir-crazy kind of thing. And Amazon had it, but they said they were going to take a month to get it to me. Uh, And Walmart actually had it for the exact same price, with free shipping and I got it in two days. So that's another place to check out. And the other thing is the Walmart grocery app. Um, You do have to go there to pick up, but you're not paying for more. And if you have a friend or an Uber or Lyft that can go and get it, they just put the stuff right in your car. And the app is, is quite good for, picking out uh the groceries it's probably like 98 percent accessible really good and i just want to thank you all on doing a wonderful job this is great
3: well thank aaron. you so much Reasons. debbie and
6: yeah
4: hi I, this is aaron from access world i just uh, wanted to comment really quickly um a couple of things that jj mentioned we do have reviews of those so the um the shipped service we
5: did do a review of the ios app for that in our july issue i believe and um, we also currently are going to have a review of the uh, echo capable uh, microwave in the december issue which should be launching as jj said either today or probably
3: tomorrow excellent that's helpful to know thanks man any other questions audible hand raising from the group
4: uh, just to tack on this is JJ. Yep. Um, yes. As far as the, I have done the, uh, the Walmart uh, store pickup thing for groceries and, and pretty much taking, doing a round trip uh, Uber or Lyft to get over there. And, you know, there was no problems doing that. Just tell told the driver, the vehicle that I'm pulling up with. And there's a, the, the one weird thing about that. there's a certain spot in the store that you need to go to. Like there's a sign uh, for pickup orders, and it took us a minute to figure that out. So just know when you're going to the store or follow whatever instructions they have for how to pick up the items. You don't usually walk in. Usually they'll bring it to your car. But it, it's a really cool service. I'm glad you brought that up.
3: Have Have either of you ever used TaskRabbit? Is there something comparable maybe That's I
4: would think it's probably not the cheapest service? I, I if, wish. If, it's not here. It's not. I mean, yeah. it's small Ber- Kalamazoo, Michigan, so we don't have Rabbit here.
3: Okay.
6: I've not heard of that, but um, yes, that is the thing about the grocery. They will, you just pull up, you give your name, they put it in your car. I've sent someone else to get them and it's already paid for. It's paid for when it's ordered and um, they hold a little bit more uh, in the order and in the amount of money. They hold a little bit more just in case they need it for what you're getting. Uh, and then they return the, you know, what they don't use back onto your card.
1: And it, and, but it, yeah. really
4: and it becomes a math problem, honestly. So, okay. So for me, it would be about a $12 round trip to go to Walmart and back. So do I think that's more effective, for instance, than having a membership to shift or Instacart and doing it and deliveries yeah. that way? So I mean, that, that's what you got to figure out for yourself in your situation.
6: Good point. I do like shipped as well. All right, thank you.
3: Any other questions? Sandra. Hi, Sandra, go ahead.
2: Hey, Tony. Um, Actually, just more of a comment. Uh, Excellent presenters. I mean, just a lot of really good information. Um, Glad I was on the right track. But definitely, this is a um, so much needed
3: call. Thank you. Any other questions? Hand raising? So we have a V. Baldwin
5: with their hand raised.
7: Yes, am I able to be heard?
2: Yes. Yes, Yes. welcome.
7: Thank you very much. I believe it was Clark mentioned earlier, about 10 years ago, uh, something to do with the American Accessibility Act and having to have things with video display accessible to us, am I understanding that correctly?
5: Yes, the 21st Century um, Video Accessibility, Communication and Video Accessibility Act. Of the
7: okay, um, some of you may be aware or not aware that the insulin dependent diabetics no longer have ability to accessible insulin pumps. And those pumps do have a screen that people with sight can use. So this is of concern to us, of course, and I wondered if anything could be mandated that those had to be produced to be accessible for us.
3: That's a really good point. And well, do you want to take that, Clark? Because that is an issue that has been on the radar for the past couple of years with with some some progress, you know, issues with like Dexcom working with uh, iPhone devices, you know, essentially phone apps. Uh, for real-time continuous glucometer, you know, glucose monitoring, um, and other ways to uh, to really manage, and that goes back to how technology can can be an asset and oftentimes a hindrance in managing our health.
5: Yeah. Um, so again, we were talking about the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act. Um, so for the the accessible playing of video and pre-recorded video is the, the main feature that comes into play with with that piece of legislation so un- unfortunately yes insulin pumps in, in a lot of cases uh, durable medical equipment and, and telehealth equipment is not accessible um, but unfortunately because it cannot play video because you cannot send two-way communications um, with those devices. They are not covered by the FCC regulations. This is an area that we hear a lot about from our members, um, as well as people who have lost their vision due to diabetes who are not HCB members. Um, Diabetes is the leading cause for working age Americans. And this issue has been a, a legislative imperative for ACB in 2019. And we've had several membership-wide resolutions on this subject, uh, put it on by the members at the annual convention. It's an issue that we are working, that we are working to educate members of Congress. Uh, We're working to try to get regulatory changes and have an emphasis placed on accessibility, at the Department of Health and Human Services, whether that's when the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services um, decide to cover devices or whether that's whether the Food and Drug Administration um, includes a rubric for accessibility when approving devices. Um, So unfortunately, there is not a solution to this problem readily at hand, but it is an issue that uh, folks are becoming more and more aware of is not only in the diabetic diabetic space, but as a larger emphasis is placed on um, health IT and telehealth services and serving patients where they live, we want to make sure that the technology deployed and used can meet the needs of the consumer and the end user.
3: And this is one of those things, too, if I can just real quick, where, where coalition building is, is such a strong thing. I mean, you know, the CBA has really brought in us the world of the mobile phone. Um, and in some places, like in Europe, there are some apps that work with devices. Here in the US, we have issues of will, will insurance cover those devices. Um, but. You know, we have found that in this case, uh, parents of children with type one diabetes have been very strong, solid advocates as well, where we have made some ground, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, I think it was in the summer, uh, with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid, you know, becoming a little bit more lenient on some of these restrictions. Uh, The the wonderful thing is when we look at this world of like the Amazon world and the the Google Home and, and, you know, Apple Surrey world, um, we are essentially in a space now uh, where they that are out there that are inaccessible can pull the curtain back and don't have to look that far themselves to find out how it can be done and how it can be done right so if it's if it's in these medical devices like you're talking about but in so many other spaces um you know devices can be so much more accessible uh and and what's wonderful is that there are a lot of folks out there in a sense paving the road you know making it much easier to show how easy it is for accessibility! We worked on CPAC displays for aircraft a couple years ago, and it's amazing when you when you break through. Uh, lawyer speak and get a couple of engineers to, together and say, "Hey, this isn't that hard to do. Why isn't everything accessible? Even all the way down, you know." Um, so it's so much easier with software, like we said, than hardware uh, to make this world much more accessible. So it's, it's, there's not nearly the excuses there used to be by corporations. So let's be hopeful. Is all I can say on that, and keep advocating. Any other questions, comments?
8: This, this is block now Go ahead. Um, I just wanted to uh, ask a question and make a suggestion. Um, you know, I, I'm really, uh, you know, looking towards making the house smart. And one of the things that I've come to realize is. is for me, it was a little bit easier if I started to make a decision on which path I would take, meaning if I wanted to go towards one particular brand and try to stick with it to make the house smart. I, I found that to be a little bit easier for me uh, from a, just from keeping the system up and running perspective. And the second thing I wanted to ask was a question, and maybe this geared gear towards JJ, is if you've ever heard of WeWalk or if anyone has heard of WeWalk Walk and what they think about it,
4: are you talking about the smart cane? Yeah. So I've I've only heard of it. I'm not sure if if Clark or someone else played more. I haven't. Every every time I see a quote unquote revolutionary smart cane, which is their token thing, I to me I'm very skeptical because these things have been tried for 20, 30 years. And yeah, I mean I could I could see a, a value of a solution that would find things that are overhead or coming at you but I've just never seen it executed well, especially for people who are faster walkers. I'd love to be proven wrong and I haven't tried this thing out. Uh,
5: this is Clark, I'm, I'm right there with the JJ. I have, I have not used it, I, I hope it works and I hope it works well. Um, but much like Be My Eyes or Ira, um, I think the, the first fallback should always be proper orientation and mobility and then any tools that we can layer on top of that um, to meet an individual's need, more power to them. And your comments about uh, choosing a path and staying within an ecosystem, I think that's true for all consumers when they're seeking to make a smart home. It's a lot easier to uh, work with devices with an interface that you know and that's reliable. Um, When you get to the point that you're dealing with multiple user interfaces and multiple multiple different architectures, um, it can become more challenging and more confusing. And There's always the risk of some products not playing so nicely with others. That's a a great point.
3: The last thing in the world we need is a a Thanksgiving dinner table with Suri, Alexa, and Google arguing with each other over the table. Feel so, like someone there but we're not that, that far video. away from that. <laughs> yeah, that would make a good yeah. Um, all right, uh, we are after nine o'clock
0: now. Sean uh, and I have a question. Go ahead, Sean. Uh,
8: Welcome, um, hey, Sean. There was a, there was someone who was um, talking about the um, the insulin pumps and stuff. I have a friend who is a type one diabetic, oh. and she is very happy with. She has a Dexcom that she just recently got. Continuous glucometer, and she was telling me that um, it, you know, we uploads data, but um, that data is going to be used to help her uh, prove to physicians and Medicare that she or Medicaid that she needs an insulin pump, and I believe it will also work with some insulin pumps. So, just to let that person know. There, there is some uh, poss- a possible solution out there.
3: Thanks, Sean, for sharing that.
2: <laughs> well, can, can I ask my question? This is Renee. Go ahead, Renee. Yeah, yeah. I, I know it's um, late, but t- just two two questions that I have. Um, one is is do you know anything about the? I'm um, looking. I'm thinking about getting uh, what they call the ring. It has to do with um, uh, if, if somebody comes to the house, you can watch the house with your phone. And um, so I have like three lots of property, and um, that would be a good thing if it was accessible. And then the other question I have is getting back to the ex- exercise equipment, there's something now with the exercise equipment that they're having video classes. Like when, I've seen a commercial about it. When you are on the uh, equipment, then you get to log in and participate in an online class. And I'm wondering, you mentioned something about when things are video um, oriented that they seem to get more attention. And I was wondering, had you seen something like that? Or maybe that could be looked into? And that's the two questions that I have. I want to get the ring, but I don't know if it's in.
3: So the ring, uh, uh, this is Tony. because I use a Ring Central app. It's a good app too, because everybody that has rings in your neighborhood can kind of share if there's something going on in your neighborhood. And in Baltimore, where I live, there's always something going on in the neighborhood, which is exciting. Um, but uh, it, it, the the app itself, I, I like the app. It's, it's somewhat accessible. Their devices, I know, are affordable, and, and they can also be, uh, I think it's Ring that you can also have channeled in so uh, in some municipalities where the police can be keyed in so you can actually be uh an engaged consumer empowered uh, an empowered resident yourself um should something go down in your neighborhood and you just want to you know um so that that the police essentially will know you know that you're a person they can go to should they need that information um i'd be curious to know if like the ring could be used with like team viewer we were talking about earlier like with ira Um, Because obviously it's a video screen and you may not be able to, you know, watch back on that video and know what's going on. We're not at a point for descriptive real-time video yet, although it's probably not too many years away. Um, But nevertheless, uh, or I, I, I do know people always post still images from their ring cameras on the app. And I would be curious to know, too, like if something like the Facebook type interface that can describe what an image is, um, in a sense, could be, could be used. I mean, are we at a point of technology where we could make this something that could be uh, useful for people who are blind and visually impaired to use these video cameras at the door?
2: And you said it was Such called as, the Ring Channel? The Ring Channel? So is Ring
3: Central is the. Oh, app Ring Central. And, I'm sorry. and it's used for their devices, okay. um, as well as just, it's a, you, you sort of create your own, you, you join up on a network, a sharing network uh-huh. next door, or there's other sort of neighborhood networks like Ring um but ring you know is attached to part of its app um for its devices it's smart devices their cameras and doorbells and things like that their doorbell well, cameras
2: yeah i'd have to well you never know if those neighbors you know they know that you're watching and they're watching i don't know how safe that would be i'd have to think about that but okay about the ring and then the exercise video if you can uh, if they're online doing online classes maybe In-
3: Renee, so in theory, Clark, there's yeah, if there's two-way communication going back and forth, that uh-huh. Clark, that should be covered under CVAA. Is that right? Well, uh,
5: I was going to say, Renee, that's a very astute question, and that's um, some conversations that we've been having. So the, the one that you're seeing a lot of commercials for during the holiday season right now is Peloton.
2: Uh-huh.
5: And Peloton is a it's an exercise bike with an internet-connected tablet. Where you can, um, you can, you can play recorded spin studio videos, or you can join live classes. Uh huh. So that is certainly the distribution of video content.
2: That and, would help me exercise a lot more. <laughs> uh
5: huh. And should have. Um, it, it currently does not, but should have. Accessible menus to access those videos. Uh-huh. Uh, I will say that in in the exercise space in in general, much like appliances, there really has been a shift back to mechanical buttons. Um, so it, it and it's not ideal, but if you have mechanical buttons that you can label either with real labels or bump dots, uh, it really does okay. make. Easier situation to control the devices. There's another company. um, There's actually several companies that have workout apps associated with their exercise equipment as well. And those apps will provide more accessible access to the data that's being displayed by the equipment as well.
2: Okay. Well, I'm wondering if more and more of these companies are gonna come on board with something like that. I'd love to help, you know, whatever it is I can do or say, you know, about it. But I'd like, I mean, I don't know anything about it, except that I wouldn't be able to use it because I can't see it. But um, uh, I'm thinking that if Palatine has that, one company has it, it's only a matter of time before it becomes more popular uh, as people move away from the expense of the gym.
5: yeah well as more developments are made in that space we will be certain to um, keep our folks informed we did do a podcast uh, an advocacy update podcast uh, back in june with richard Thiesing from an organization mobility fitness um, in support of the, the bill introduced in the senate The exercise and fitness for all act, and that's an area that we've heard a lot about from our members, and rightly so. Because if people are not exercising, uh, that just drives up the obesity rate, increases Mm -hmm. diabetes, which leads to chronic health conditions, and it it becomes a, a vicious cycle.
3: And that is, I believe, led by Tammy Duckworth in, in Congress, was it not, Clark, who is a, a Chicago senator or a Illinois senator? Uh, Renee, should you be uh, uh-huh. uh, for those in Illinois, um, you know, uh, let let the senator know, you know, um. Uh, in support of that, but also just let your, let, this is one of those things that you should, you know, reach out to your member of Congress wherever you live, and let them know this is an issue that's important to you, sort of accessibility. Because again, uh, increased morbidity uh, and 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 health issues uh, are, are very common in our visual impaired and blindness community because uh, the challenges in being physically fit, uh, going to a gym is a difficult situation. The idea that we could have that in our home now, that could be a huge benefit with, with you know, Know strong repercussions on just our, the general health uh, on a macro level uh, for people who are blind and visually impaired or have other disabilities if we can make these equipment more accessible. So, you know, there's sort of a, a common good that can come at uh, this that, that public businesses should know about. So. We're still getting a bit of chatter in the background, control, or uh, Alt-A, Alt-A again uh, for your keyboard, and we have time for just a couple more questions, I think. Alt-A, if you have, uh, uh, you're have uh, unmuted right now, we still get some chatter in the background for some folks. Um,
1: Tony, real quick question on uh, Amazon Fire TV and uh, YouTube TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, this go is ahead. Terrell from uh, Tennessee. Hi, Terrell, um, go ahead. How, yeah, how accessible is uh, – YouTube TV on Amazon Fire TV. I've been looking at uh, the Fire Stick possibly. So I just wanted kind of an overview of accessibility on that.
3: But so I,
5: Tony, before you answer that question, yep.
3: I'm going to go ahead and mute
5: all. So
3: great, thanks, Clark. Minutes. All right, and thanks for that question, Terrell, because that's a good question. Because the, the Amazon Fire, what's great about it, the Stick, is it's one of the more affordable ways to get into this sort of smart home space. Uh, they're very, very inexpensive, and Amazon runs deals quite often on them. Um, and the YouTube app has, has, to my knowledge, because I'm an ex, well, I, I still use my Google Pixel uh, for a lot of things, but I used to be very heavy into the Google space. Um, so I had all my movies in YouTube uh, through, through the Google Play Store. And they have recently updated the app in the past few months, uh, so it is much more accessible now. So the YouTube uh, app on the Amazon is a much more accessible device or I shouldn't say device, it's it's an app within the device. So uh, they definitely come a long way because initially it was not accessible at all. There was sort of a fight between the world of Amazon and and Alphabet, uh, the the fight of the A's, if you will. And, but yeah, it is much better now. So just to answer your question.
1: Bernice? Go ahead. Hi, Um, I wanted to know the phone number for uh, Amazon for accessibility.
5: Bernice, I don't have that handy, but I'd be happy to follow up with you with that phone number.
1: Uh, and the other comment that I had is um, that um, uh, consumer reports um, i I wish that there was uh, some way that they included accessibility issues. Um, I was looking for a dishwasher, and the the ones that are the top of the line. Uh, are not accessible, and the one that was truly accessible was number six. And but it, I didn't know that until I went to the store and physically touched them. And um, it, what what could what could the disability community do to include those kinds of issues in the consumer reports?
5: Thanks for that, Bernice. I, I think Tony touched on this a little bit earlier. As we as we go to the store, or as we shop, as we purchase products, um, I think it's on, incumbent on all of us to leave reviews about not only how well the product works, but how well the product works for us in the sense of accessibility. And by doing that, we'll drive the profile of the importance of those
1: features in accessibility. I'm having of, trouble hearing you. <laughs>
3: I think too, to to follow on what Clark said, Bernice.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, a
3: lot of it. Think of where we were just five, ten years ago with, let's say, the gluten. Um, you know, in, in the world of of diet and how information is posted in the, in the health for food related industry. Um, mm-hmm. Everywhere you go now, you you have, uh, you know. Um, a market that spoke up, right? A population of people that, that recognized there was a concern and they needed to have the information readily available to them. And they spoke up and they spoke up loudly. And I think sometimes we need to remind ourselves that we do have a voice, if it's through American Council of the Blind or through local groups or other groups. And, and we have a way to let the market know that we are consumers, we are purchasers, we have the power of, of the purse in a sense. Um, and, and letting them know, uh, and, and I think in terms of consumer reports, that's the kind of thing I think that we could do if we can, you know, email, write letters. Maybe we can try to find a way to get some. I, I'm intrigued by that as well. I hadn't really thought of that as an idea, but I think we could probably try to find a way to distribute amongst our, our networks um, mm-hmm. and let folks know for us to speak up. Similar as, as folks have done in other areas, uh, like in, in the food industry where, you, you know, uh, let your voice be heard. We are an increasing population. Um, and, and when it comes to our, you know, accessibility for wellness of being in life and, and living a, a well life, uh, I, think it, I think there is cause for us to speak up. So that's a good, that's a good point. And, and, again, I go back to the idea, let's maybe start simply with just leaving reviews because Consumer Reports is a way people get information. But I think for a lot of people as well, it's those reviews right away. Um, mm-hmm. If there's an accessible review and you run across one of these reviews, Thumb up, like it, make sure that you, the more people that like those reviews, those reviews stack up higher in the rating system, right? So they come up higher in a feed. If there is an accessible Amazon microwave, my goal is everybody here tonight, let's all go out and like a review. Someone posts a review that says accessible, and then we all go out and we like it. And that helps push that review higher, so that it makes it easier for the market. And the people that make the product that read those reviews um to know hey, this is something that's important. we should start mentioning this more in our in our you know physical description of the device or things like that
1: yeah i what, what made me think is um why was the Bosch uh, dishwasher that was accessible number six on the line, and when all of the ones that are above it was the same company. And they were all inaccessible to to me as a blind person. And you know, what we're going through right now is our refrigerator is 33 years old, and I'm trying to find one of those. And our stove was installed in this condo in 1978. (laughs) We need a a new stove. And it's very complicated to find one that does have the accessibility. And then, you know, the fact that I I truly want to know if they're going to work well. And I guess that comes from my background because my, my college degree was in home economics, so <laughs> I'm a little fussy about that. Oh, great. Do we
8: have any other questions tonight?
3: Yeah, a couple more minutes left.
8: This is Sri. I just want to make one comment about the fitness.
4: Mm-hmm. Go ahead.
8: Um, I, I met a, a company, I think they're. I think she's based in Rochester. She actually created an overlay for Planet Fitness for both uh, for the elliptical, the bicycle, and the uh, treadmill. And uh, I know uh, I tested it out. It works really well. So it covers all the buttons with attached descriptions on each of the buttons. Right. And I, I just thought that was a very uh, useful thing for me to go to the gym because I had something that uh, I didn't have to rely on someone else to tell me what buttons to push.
4: It is wonderful.
3: Thank you for sharing that. Yeah,
8: yeah. And it's for the Planet Fitness. I think she did it for Planet Fitness. So it just because I know that they carry basically the same um, devices throughout all their um, stores.
3: Right. Wonderful. Thanks.
8: If there's a way, um,
3: Clark, for for folks that have information or little things like that, because um, the IAC, the Information Access Committee, we're always looking for. For information, you know, we do our 411 each year at National Convention. We're excited for Schomburg, uh, Illinois, coming up next summer. So those that'll be at our National Convention, and we'll also record that as well and have it over ACB radio. Um, But you know, the Information Access Committee, we're always looking for information like that where people are finding solutions, making things accessible, what's out there, what's not. Um, On behalf of the IAC Committee and and ACB, I wanna thank uh, JJ for taking time to join us today or uh, this evening, depending where in the country you are right now, and and most importantly, thanks to Clark and the National Office for helping set this call up, for Kelly and Claire for helping go out and, and be those secret Santas and shoppers uh, out, out, out in the community, but, uh, and most hey, importantly, Tony. for everybody here that's stuck in on this call. Go ahead, Eric. Hey, hey. it's Eric Bridges, and I just, I just wanted to thank uh, the Information Access Committee, and in particular, Tony, and and Clark uh, for putting this together and for our, our colleagues at uh, the
8: American Foundation for the Blind and Access World for uh, being willing to participate in this. JJ, thank you so much for uh, coming on and, and talking about uh, you know the, the piece that you wrote and taking us through uh, the description of, of some of these products and, and apps.
5: This is Clark. Uh, if folks have any additional questions, uh, if you're like me, they'll pop into your head around one fifteen this morning. You can always email us at advocacy at And we'll be sure to pass those along to the Information Access Committee or
3: answer them ourselves. And on behalf of all of us here, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Have a safe and wonderful holiday, wherever that may take you. And, uh, you know, I, I hope everybody tonight is a little bit of a smarter shopper. So. Thanks again for taking time out on, a, on, a, on the evening to join us. Be safe.
0: To recap what I stated at the beginning of the program, we couldn't include all of the questions in the question and answer section due to time constraints. If you would like the full program, it's available in the main menu podcast. You can also find it at acbradio.org acb-advocacy, or you can stream it for a limited time from ACB Radio's special event located in your favorite radio app or by going to acbradio.org/special. Main Menu is a program provided to you by the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. It airs every Friday evening beginning at 9 p.m. Eastern on ACB Radio Mainstream, repeating various times throughout the week. To listen and for a full schedule, go to acbradio.org/mainstream, use ACB Link for iOS or Android grab it as a podcast or call 605-475-8130 Do you have ideas about what we should air on Main Menu? Or do you have a submission of your own you'd like us to consider? We'd love to hear from you. Email us mainmenu at acbradio.org or catch us on Twitter at Main Menu. Please note that airing of any content is subject to approval by the Main Menu team. Thank you for listening and happy holidays from all of us on the Main Menu team.